0: this episode we discuss wild mountain time
1: time repeated the clock king well bartman you've got all the time in the world i carumba exclaimed the bartman reaching for a barterang
0: <laughs> okay <laughs> you're right it was a hot one
2: a hot one. That was, so is that read directly from a from a Simpson yeah. story? Yeah,
1: it's read from my Simpsons fanfic.
2: Okay. <laughs> but What's interesting to me is just that Clock King is a is a real Batman villain and yet somehow he's fighting Bartman. Yeah. A parody yeah. villain. A parody hero.
1: Elliot Elliot, I I don't I I don't want to blow your hair back or nothing, but uh the world of fanfiction has a lot of strange mix ups.
2: <laughs> okay, fair point. Okay,
0: fair point. so this is this is called the flop house. I'm Dan McCoy.
2: I'm Stuart Wellington. I'm Elliot Kalin. This is a podcast we talk about bad movies. But first, before we get into the meat of this ep, let me tell you: Are you excited by this episode? But you'd be even more excited if you saw us saying these things live in front of your face on your computer in real time as we say them. Well, buckle up, Chuck, because it's time to tell wow. you the truth. This this coming Saturday, February 6th. Not this coming Saturday when this episode comes out, but February 6th, Saturday. 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, or for people who are used to seeing it the other way, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific, Saturday, February 6th. We'll be doing a live show, the livest of live shows, and we're going to be talking about, what's this? Teen Wolf. That's right. The maybe most requested movie that I can think of by Flophouse fandom, Teen Wolf. It's about Michael J. Fox when he was a teenager becoming a wolf basketball star and also— Uh, almost getting the girl of his dreams. But when he turns, he finds out that really his best friend was the girl of his dreams and his dad is also a wolf. Teen wolf. We're going to have presentations. (laughs) Well, you told the whole story, so. Yeah, so now you don't have to to tune in. Anyway, that was our live show. There's going to (laughs) be, we're also going to have original presentations like we do at a regular live show. We're going to have some special type things that we don't usually do at live shows, but we're adding for this show. We're going to have an audience Q&A where you get the chance to send in a question and we'll answer it. And more. The price for all this It's just $10. $10 is the access. One Alexander Hamilton will get you the Flophouse live show Saturday, February 6th at 9 (laughs) p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Just go to www.theflophouse.simpleticks.com. That's simple like the word and ticks, T-I-X, www.theflophouse.simpleticks.com, and you'll buy not only a ticket to that live show, but – just in case you can't make it because not everyone is available Saturday, February 6th, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. You also will get access to one week's worth of that video being archived and you being able to watch it whenever you want. You could watch it February 7th. That's a Sunday at 12 Uh noon. You could watch it February 8th. That's Mm. a Monday Mm -hmm. at 6 in the morning. Whatever you want to do anytime. Watch it a few times. Whatever you want to do within that week, you can. And all for the price of only 10 little dollars. So that's Saturday, February 6th, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. We're talking Teen Wolf. That's right. All the stuff people love about Teen Wolf. Styles, van surfing, that shot at the end where the guy puts his penis back in his pants and they didn't (laughs) notice it and they released the movie anyway. It's all going to be in there. We're going to be giving you original presentations. Dan made a funny intermission thing. Audiences get the chance to ask questions all this kind of stuff, $10, www.theflophouse.simpleticks.com. Uh-huh. And I want to make it clear, this is not for charity. This is for our greedy mitts. So you yep, know okay. what? Throw that money at us. This is not going uh-huh. to help anyone but us, but we need I the help. Don't. It's been a hard time. <laughs> hey, Saturday, know. February 6th, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific, www.theflophouse.simpleticks.com. Team Wolf.
1: And you know there'll probably be a time in the future when you'll be able to see us in person and hand us your ten dollars in person and make eye contact the whole time so that we know for sure you're the one who supported us or maybe you just like the anonymity you know like maybe maybe you don't uh-huh. want anyone to know that you're you're spending money on a podcast like a bunch of idiots. Uh, named Stuart and Elliot. <laughs> wait, hold on. <laughs>
0: wait, wait, Both, of, wait, wait. Your, not both of your sales pitches like were good at the beginning, and then they took it <laughs> a steep notes hey, Look,
2: well, maybe this will, maybe this will cinch the deal. I bought a special shirt for the show, and if oh, you want that... to see it, you're gonna oh, have wow. to tune in.
1: Yeah, uh-huh. is it one of those that has a whole bunch of writing on it?
2: Uh, yeah, it's one of those where it's a whole <laughs> bunch of writing in different fonts that talks about how crazy <laughs> and wonderful my wife is. Uh huh.
0: <laughs> Well, I want to thank the the McElroys for having Lynn, manuel Miranda come by and sing that one line from Hamilton, but we should probably uh, mm-hmm. get to the <laughs> yeah, show. Yeah, because they're his agent, I guess. Yeah, they are, in this scenario. Um, look, this is not a show where we ju- uh, just plug other shows of ours. Uh-huh. This is a show where we watch a bad movie and we talk about it, and who boy we watched a, um, a movie of the moment. It's called Wild Mountain Time. Well,
2: how is it a uh-huh. movie of the moment, Dan? This is maybe the least relevant film in the history of filmmaking. <laughs> yeah. Considering is... considering, I could not tell throughout most of it when it was taking place. Until yeah, the... they went to New York and I saw, oh, the modern day New York. I thought it was in the 1940s, 50s. Well, no, they
0: mentioned the going to The Lion King before then. That's when I oh, was like, right. okay. Right.
2: But even then, that yeah. could have been 20 years ago. It's a long-running show. Yeah. One of the longest-running shows on Broadway, if not the <laughs> longest-running. Julie Taymor has done it again. The Lion King on Broadway broadway now
0: (laughs) (laughs) i didn't mean that it speaks to our particular like moment in culture if anything it is retrograde so
2: so it's a movie of the moment and that it exists in this moment in time it is the
0: it is the bad movie du jour is what i would say like i feel like uh the most enthusiastic bad movie chatter on the internet i've heard of late has been around this movie so uh i was delighted Mm -hmm. to uh, To show
1: that we have our fucking fingers on the pulse, Uh baby. Yeah.
2: Now, I first heard this movie. I want to say it's true. I first heard this movie a few months ago when the radio did a news story about how bad the accents in the movie were. (laughs) So that's it was a breaking national news story back when there was still room in the news for stories like that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, Well, this is a movie uh, written and directed by uh, John Patrick Shanley, who is a uh, Uh playwright of note. Uh, He did Uh uh, *Doubt*. Among other things, he did the play that this is based on, which is like a a four-person uh, number that ran on Broadway. Um, I
1: mean, I, you, he, should say, you should say hit play, just to pump up the episode yeah. a little bit. So yeah, yeah, and, has, and
2: I think a lot of people would know his work from Moonstruck, which this is a pallid uh, attempt to recreate the magic of, in many or, ways. Or... Yeah.
1: Or the screenplay for the movie Congo, or oh, that's true, or, or Joe the screenplay for the movie
2: We're Back: A Dinosaur
0: Story. Yeah, <laughs> which I'm surprised <laughs> to learn.
2: Well, I mean, there's, there's a lot of We're Back in this. There's a lot of yeah. We're Back. Yeah. Now, uh, and he's and he is a problematic figure for other reasons that we won't get into here. But John Patrick Shanley. So this is somebody who has a mixed bag of work. Some of it, mm-hmm. some of the highest heights. Some of it, some of the lowest lows. Dan, mm-hmm. where does this one place?
0: Well, we'll we'll see. I could I I I will say that. Him being a, uh, a a playwright sort of first um, makes me think that like I could see how this material would work better on the stage, but I think we'll get to that. What
1: um, was uh, what was what was the name of the play? What's the name of the play? It's based on. Mulganser. It's like
2: outside Mulla Kagalagalol. It's some some. Yeah. Wait, hold on. Let me take a look. It is based on play outside Mullingar. Okay. Or Mulingar. Now, Dan. But that it, doesn't.
1: That doesn't work is like a pun because the character specifically has a has a has has an herb name. There's a character named Rosemary. That's mm-hmm. an herb. And time is an herb. Mm-hmm. So I think is the, there the, a character named
2: Sage? No, or is there I think the pun is name? more about time and time, like time the herb and time the the processing of moments. Now, I don't, do I don't do think, I think time know and Rosemary are meant to be the, the puns. <laughs> uh, now, Dan, John Petrusian directed the movie of Doubt. It's not like he wrote moonstruck it he it's not like he's a this is a one this is a playwright only who dabbled in film no, he
0: also directed joe joe versus the volcano but he's done three movies
2: well actually that's that's not he not only directed he was the lead attorney in the case joe joe v the volcano <laughs> okay. which went to the supreme court they found for the volcano
0: anyway let's get into this movie because uh, it's an, a wild one um so well, Dan,
2: how Dan. How would you how would you rate the mountain time in this? Would you rate it as wild, mild, <laughs> or, or, or Child, unavailable unavailable at the moment? Writer of the Jack Reacher novels. Yeah. <laughs> um, so now Dan, it's inter- now oh, listeners. God. We're gonna have an sorry. I'm just gonna say we're gonna have an interesting take. I'm looking forward to hearing Dan's take on this because I found this movie to not be a wild one. I found it to be an exceedingly mild and dull movie. But Dan, uh-huh. you are so hopped up on it. I want to hear. I want to see what you saw in it. Yeah, and um,
1: if if this movie was a uh, if this movie was a background level for uh, the Street Fighter video game, it would be Guile Mountain Time.
0: Okay, well, thank God we circled back. Um, and if it was wait,
2: if it was a high sea, uh, it was a Ghostbusters tie and high sea flavor. It would be mild, Wild Mountain Slime.
1: <laughs> if Dan's getting frustrated now, oh boy, we're just starting.
0: Uh, so the movie starts. Well, it starts with uh, you know three or four production logos, as all movies do these days. Uh, I think three six. or four,
2: three or four dozen. Dan, there were a yeah, lot of production, and each a lot got of them. each getting cheaper looking as they go <laughs> on.
0: And uh, we get a voiceover, and I think to myself, "Is that Christopher Walken? Sure is <laughs> Christopher Walken, <laughs> doing a bad Irish accent, probably the worst of an un- worst of an uneven bunch." What? <laughs> But I mean, you know, he does a good job even though he doesn't seem Irish at all. Uh and he's uh doing an intro, just like a bunch of Irish Blarney. You know, just uh toss together some Irish poems and a in a wood chipper and that's
2: He's he says he's, at one point he goes he goes, hey, they say if an Irishman dies while telling a story, you know he'll be back. And I I still don't understand what he meant by that, no. and it never comes up in the movie. So, but Dan, for you, this was like ah really? ah glory McCree, This was be like mother's milk to me. Ah, my people speaking <laughs> to me. My Irish eyes are smiling. <laughs> okay. Arr, ah matey, I be a pirate mm-hmm. too. Is that how you mm-hmm. felt watching it?
0: Uh, I mean, so my lineage from the name McCoy. Uh, there's I have a an uncle who's very obsessed with the idea. That we are uh, of Scott's heritage, he uh, a lot of his identity is tied up in that. He has a kilt, he has a, a little Scotty dog, he has all the Just,
2: oh wow,
1: all
0: the stuff. Um,
2: <laughs> He's gone all the way. He created a I've, dog for it.
0: I've never been convinced we're necessarily Scottish. I don't. I haven't done the genealogy. It seems like maybe we're Scots Irish. It's not important. But I did look at this opening. and One thing you can say for this film, Ireland looks beautiful. You look at mm-hmm. you watch this movie in high def. You're like, I want to go to Ireland. Yeah. Um that's what I'll say about that. Uh so yeah, you're bunch... like,
1: did I turn the green levels
2: up on my TV <laughs> too high?
0: <laughs> so uh Christopher Walken's talking about a guy who loves to shoot crows. <laughs> Just glass the... walk and
2: walking talking. That's that's what we call it in the biz. Um <laughs>
0: This guy who loves to shoot crows is uh Rosemary's dad. Okay, we mm-hmm. we, we meet a young a young lad who will grow up to be Jamie Dornan from the uh, Fifty Shades movies, oh,
1: yeah. and
0: he's allowed to have his uh, Irish accent here, which improves his likability greatly. Um, mm-hmm. I'm still not sold on him, but this is the most I've thought he's put in a good performance in something I've mm, seen.
2: He, he was named one of the 25 biggest male models of all time by Vogue. Really? Yep.
0: They, they I call, mean, him, the, a, they call him the golden a torso. he's a looking
2: man. We cannot... We cannot deny that, but... Um... He's he's playing a very different kind of character than Christian Grey here, wouldn't you say? Although very similar in some ways. He is not uh, outwardly defined by his obsession with domination and uh, sexual violence. But at the same time, he is a man who represses his feelings and doesn't think himself worthy of love. So we'll get into that.
0: Yeah. So when he's a young child, a uh, young Jamie Dorden, I'll call... I'm going to, you know, generally talk to people... I refer to people by their uh, actors' names because I think it's uh-huh. easier to keep track of it that way. But um, yeah. he loves Fiona, another girl who you think that we'll, we'll maybe see again in the movie. We do not. Uh, she does not seem to figure into the plot as an adult person. But another child, Rosemary, who will grow up to be Emily Blunt, uh, oh, loves yeah. him. And we see a scene where Fiona makes fun of young Jamie and... Because uh, he's got something on his nose, I think some bee pollen. Maybe uh, he sticks
2: his nose into <laughs> a flower for reasons that will be revealed at the very end of the movie and are stupid. And <laughs> and she <laughs> and mean, so she she tells him he looks ridiculous and makes fun. Elliot,
0: let me let me let me just say that uh, uh, until the end of the movie, you don't know that's something that needs to be explained.
2: Because that's true. Well, people do th- smell flowers. There is a thing that happens at the end of this movie, which is so. Randomly inexplicable, and yet if it had happened at the beginning of the movie, I would have been like, "Well, this is an interesting movie." But instead, it's like they held it to the very end, and they need because the movie is so sleepy that they're like, "We got to give it a shot of like vitamin B at the very end of this." Uh
0: No, I I agree with you there. We will get we will get to that. But um, so she makes fun of Jamie Dornan for having this stuff on his nose, young Jamie Dornan, and that makes uh, Rosemary attack Fiona. And Anthony pushes her down uh, to protect Fiona and like this, of course, heartbreaking for uh, Rosemary because she likes him, but he's mm-hmm. not seemingly interested. And she's talking to her dad about it. She's like, I have no place in the world.
2: Where's the place for women? Mm-hmm. Uh, which
0: doesn't really figure in thematically with her. But
2: No, there's a lot of there's a lot. It feels like a play partly because there's a lot of like um, that like faux kind of Irish poetical talk mm-hmm. in it and a char- characters will be like hey what are you doing i don't know just leave me alone why not oh it's a good thing men are tall because they have to bear the way to the goodness that women bring into the world and i was like what hold on a second <laughs> yeah. like there's a lot of non-sequitur aphorisms and there's one really good line in the whole movie that i really liked so okay. congratulations john What's- patrick shanley <laughs> Let's no, see they're... if it's the same line that I liked. Well, Ooh. you know,
0: oh, maybe it's the same line I like.
2: Uh, who knows? We'll find out uh, after this. Hey, so we flash I'm here to talk about the movie to, Wild Mountain Time. Uh,
0: <laughs> we flash forward from the the child versions of our leads to we see. Emily Blunt, full grown, still well, wearing actually, the exact dude, same clothes, only Dan, larger, that she was wearing as a child. I don't know whether she had multiple outfits in different sizes as she uh-huh. grew, or they just kept adding no, no. cloth to the in, old clothes. I, yes. s- that's
2: what they do in Ireland. The clothes grow with you. That's how You yeah. get one set of clothes. Now, Dana, one thing I want to mention, because it plays up later, her dad uh, bucks up her spirit by playing Swan Lake on a record mm-hmm. player and telling, hi- telling her, you're the white swan. So okay. she she identifies as that. But yeah, she, I I have to assume that like they use a growth ray on the clothes so that they fit them later when they're adults or something <laughs> yeah. like that.
1: Otherwise um, they'd be like walking around in, like ripped up Hulk clothes and that'd be crazy, right? That
2: would be nuts. Yeah, that who would do that. So it's all in the <laughs> it's all in the movie Molly I Unshrunk the Clothes. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. which is a it's starring Rick o. Moranis, where he actually uses a growth <laughs> ray to make the clothes bigger and everything's fine because it means they can wear them longer.
1: You know, maybe, maybe that'd just be really stylish. I mean, I don't know. I'm kind of out of touch. I'm, you know, I'm kind of a, I'm not, I'm not, you know, young and hip as I used to be.
2: Yeah. Everyone's still wearing those baggy pants, right? Uh Mm -hmm. (laughs) Chain wallets. Yeah. Yeah, You see, you don't see a lot of that in the movie. A lot of chain wallets and baggy pants, but maybe. Bowling shirts with flames on them. (laughs) So, so Dan, Emily Blunt, she's Rosemary. What's going on with her?
0: Uh, well her father has just passed away. We learned this uh Jamie Dornan and Walken are talking about her dad dying. He he, he was the crow guy, the guy who likes to shoot crows. Uh-huh. And, the and Christopher is
1: the, Walken is Jamie Dornan's dad, right? Yes. And the,
0: and Emily Blunt's mom comes in. She's worried about what's going to happen to Rosemary. Now, now Dan, what? this is
2: a total waste of time. But do you think if uh <laughs> do you think if Christopher Walken was ever on the West Wing that director yeah. Tommy Schlamme would have had him do a walk in talk mm Mhm. <laughs> Anyway, continue. Uh, oh. <laughs> Thank you. It's a classic, Dan, it was a classic Tommy Schlami walk-and-talking and joke. Anyway, no, continue. You,
0: you know, I appreciate that you warned me ahead of time that it was going to be a total waste of time, because it did help me not get Oh, good, good. That.
2: I helped you process it, that I was aware yeah. that I was wasting your time. So, so, they're worried about Rosemary, who is outside smoking her dad's pipe.
0: Yes, uh, because this is Ireland, and <laughs> she does not smoke a cigarette. She smokes her dad's pipe. But, um... So uh, Walken tells uh, his son, Jamie Dorn, that he, he's maybe not going to get the farm when he dies. And the reason Walken gives at this point is that he takes after his mother's side. He's more of a Kelly, and the Kellys uh-huh. were crazy. Uh, but we learn soon after that this is obviously all bullshit. He's actually concerned because uh, Jamie doesn't seem to have any interest in uh, marrying, having kids, like continuing the family line for the farm. And uh-huh. I'm like, why does <laughs> why does Christopher Walken have to make up this bullshit reason rather than than just say what he's thinking? Although the whole movie, I'll... I guess the point of it is. As it comes uh, along that the Irish are all emotionally repressed. Um, yes. But...
2: This 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 is a movie where the only obstacle to any of them being happy is that they refuse to allow themselves to express emotions to each other mm-hmm. until the last possible minute. Which maybe okay. is Ireland. I've never been there. I'd love to go sometime. Uh, you know, it looks beautiful. Uh, big fan of Irish food. Uh, big fan of Irish setters. I love the way they uh-huh. set. They have a special way of setting in Ireland that they don't do in other mm-hmm. countries. If you look at yep. like uh, like a Spanish setter or like mm-hmm. a German setter or a Russian mm-hmm. setter, they just don't set the mm-hmm. same way that the Irish setters do. No, they don't set uh, well. But uh, but Dan, explain uh, this. I want you to get into the interesting stuff. Explain the frontage situation. The frontage with the t- with the two farms. Yeah, it's oh, pretty yeah. important.
1: It's okay, pretty well, it's
2: it's it's both desperately important to the plot and incredibly boring and has no I'm, impact I'm on I'm anything.
0: I am going to get there in just a second. Before that though, Jamie Dorton goes out and like they're hanging out uh him and Bl- Emily Blunt and they have this uh exchange that I would like to say where uh uh Jamie goes, "Where do we go when we die?" The sky. And Emily Blunt goes, "The ground." <laughs> and then Jamie Dornan says, "Then what's the sky for?"
2: <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Which is a weird. It doesn't quite.
2: <laughs> well, then she said. Well, I mean, but then she says, "For now, that's what. That's yeah. that's the point they're trying to get at is that they should be living for now and enjoying the yeah. beauty of the world." But I also like that you did an Irish accent for Jamie Dornan, but not for Emily Blunt, which no, was an interesting I just, choice. I just gave up on it. Uh, where do we it, go? Where do we go when we die? Do we go to the sky? No. <laughs> <laughs> then where do we go? The ground.
0: <laughs> I will. I will. Want to, I do want to say that. What's the sky for? Uh, just reminded me of the classic spies like us joke. What's a dick for, for peeing Uh anyway. So, uh, anyway, Mm -hmm. let's get to the weird driving, uh, element of the plot that doesn't make any sense at all. Um, So Christopher Walken wants to buy back the entrance to his farm, uh, the frontage, a word that I didn't uh, know before Elliot said it, but where the gate is to his farm.
2: It's, it's his right of way. He, he, he is, his farm cannot connect to the road. Instead, there are these two yeah. gates that that separate his property from this little patch of lands that Rosemary's dad— Uh, owned and gave to Rosemary. And now Rosemary owns it, and Christopher Walken wants to buy it so that his farm can go to the road, and he doesn't have to deal with these damn gates anymore. And I'm like, hey, man, look at what Christo did with the idea of gates. Gates can be really interesting. And Bill Gates was one of the richest men in the world. So maybe Uh don't look down your nose at gates, Mr. Christopher Walken.
1: Yeah, and The Gate was an influential Canadian horror movie. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Launched Stephen Dorff's career.
2: Yeah, but he's
0: he's basically just annoyed that uh, he has to frequently, because it's Ireland, get out of his car in the rain open these damn gates uh, to get into his own property,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and but but the thing is, Rosemary owns this land because her dad gave it to her when she was ten. Because that's where Jamie Dornan pushed her down, uh-huh. <laughs> and so this is some like weird, Makes sense. like spite, but also like romantic. Uh, I don't know, like uh, statement. I don't
2: really. It's, like the, it's a she's she is has made it's sacred ground to her maybe because it's where he touched her when he pushed her but it, she has a she has a a long running unrequited passion for him that verges on stalking
0: by yeah. this point. So uh, we see her watching uh, Jamie Dornan uh, the next morning. He's floating down the river in some kind of bucket raft and he's swatting at bugs with an oar.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And Blunt he's is doing like, his
2: best to look like the guy on the cover of Flood by They Might Be Giants.
0: <laughs> Blunt is watching him. Like, totally besotted uh, while she's still being like, what's what's this guy's deal? And here's the thing. Like, the movie tries to make out like Jamie Dornan is acting very strange the entire film. And we do learn that he has a strange secret at the end. But I'm watching it being like, I guess he's a little weird. Like, he doesn't seem to be doing anything that odd but everyone around him acts like he is the the nuttiest guy in the world
2: he's just kind of a clumsy goofball who's who can't really he's not super articulate but everyone acts like he's he's a he's a madman you know dan you should also mention uh she spent all night looking for her runaway horse right because she has rosemary has this horse that keeps breaking out of the pen almost like a draw a visual representation of her unrequited passion but that Mm. would be crazy but that Uh, would be too obvious who would do such a thing do you think
1: Jamie Dornan was like, okay, I gotta be, I gotta be wacky in this scene. I'll part my hair slightly differently. <laughs>
0: yeah. So the two of them chat and he's like, this farm is a prison, but there's a green field and the animals living off of them. And, uh-huh. and, and so he like, doesn't like to be a farmer, but he loves it too. And he tells her <laughs> yeah. to sell her farm and leave Ireland because there's no place for a decent person, and I don't understand... This is another thing, throughout the movie, he's, like, trying to get her to get off this island, and I don't get what his deal is. Like...
2: So, Dan, I'm gonna... Oh, wait, you say what you're gonna say, and I wanna step in with my explanation, and let's see if it's true. Part of this movie that, like, I, you say that
0: you don't understand why I thought it was so... such a corker. Um, I... Like, it does mostly all come at the during the last, like, half hour, but... Also, throughout the movie, I'm just like, no one acts like this. There's no one in this movie. Like later on, there's one person in the movie who acts like, like a human being that I could recognize. But like, the movie does not make everyone's emotional motivations very clear. And in cer- in one case, that's like leading up to the surprise. But just in general, like, I had a hard time understanding. Like people's relationships, why they were doing the things they were doing, um, like why they cared so much about the things they cared about. Because well, the Where, movie is like how much time has passed at different points. Well, I mean, it's anyway.
2: very unclear. It's very unclear. Yeah, what what era we're in, what time has passed? Like it's the Ireland of the nineteen fifties, but they have like modern cars. But uh, they it is a the reason that that I didn't find it is it's a very slow movie. It's a very slow movie, but also the characters are such like kind of folk Irish cartoons, you know, Mm -hmm. in a way that like Mm -hmm. the characters, they don't do realistic things. They do the things that someone in a Guinness commercial would do or like, uh, you know, in a, like a waking Ned divine type movie would do or something like that. But if if like wake, if waking Ned divine was written by someone who desperately wanted to be like uh, like Neil McDonough or something like that, you know, and it's a, but it's, there's a, there's a, there's a glimpse of a really good movie in this. Mm -hmm. about depression and about characters who are struggling with depression and feel like they are not capable of loving or being loved or even of enjoying the things they genuinely enjoy because of this like hereditary depression that they can't control and they don't really understand that's not this movie this movie keeps hinting at that like christopher walken later we will get to gives a speech where he's basically saying I, I suffered with crippling depression and then it was lifted from me someday and i became a better person but he, instead it becomes kind of an irish mysticism thing of a song on the wind you know yeah. uh but it's like i can't I can, that i think would have made this movie into something more understandable and believable but instead it's just a very slow movie where it's like you know, I, they basically, she keeps saying, hey, I like you. And he's like, mm, I'm going to refuse to under, I'm going to refuse to understand that. And she's like, uh, OK, well, then I'll tell you something else that tells you that I like you. And he's like, mm, well, that's impossible. So I'll just keep doing this. And everyone is like, look at that crazy person. Oh, he's the eccentric of the of the Moors or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Dan, do they yeah. have Moors in Ireland? I've never been there.
0: Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Or do they um, only so- have Fens.
2: Do they have Fens or Moors? Well, what about okay. bogs? Yeah, They're, what
0: about bogs? Wait, are fens and more is that a are those synonyms? But uh, moors are just in Scotland. I think that they I, have don't I don't know. I don't know
2: what I don't know what a fen is. Uh, well, Cheryl and fen, I'm familiar now, with. Now, what about mm-hmm. what about yeah. Yeah. what about shires? Now, do they have shires there, or is that just a hobbit? Oh thing?
1: yeah, no, everybody has those. Now, when uh, they say the a fen is a
2: marsh or a bog, so oh, so very much not a moor. A moor, a moor is, is flatland
0: mm-hmm with like scrub on it
2: yeah yeah mm-hmm. now oh, like yeah of DVD often dvd copies of scrubs the the hit tv show uh
0: okay so uh, Jamie, do Dornan they have a lot of big a... waterfalls uh,
2: in ireland like like 50 100 200 foot tall waterfalls
0: uh yeah, i think they have uh some waterfalls i don't think it's like iceland where there are waterfalls all over the place how about deserts like are there any like big
2: uh, deserts or like desert canyons I don't uh-huh.
0: think so. I mean, unless she, they've, they've got some permafrost and it's like a, technically a desert or something. Okay. But what about like a volcano? Is the...
1: there... <laughs> or like so, a plateau.
0: Jamie Dornan uh, <laughs> carefully takes a bee outside. And again, something that only becomes significant later. Won't spoil it yet. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, <laughs> I, we were watching it like, is this like a save the cat scenario? Like we know that he's good because he saves this bee. Yeah. Do you think um, in the
1: stage production they had a
2: person in a bee costume uh, on stage? I hope and so. Jamie Dornan had <laughs> they like
1: got the giant foam girl hands from to the from the, the music Blind Melon video. video. Yeah, they yeah. got the yeah.
2: girl from the Blind Melon video, and that was when oh, wow, when that's she a stepped big get. on when she stepped on stage, the audience went nuts. Like yeah, it's one of those things where they get applause just for appearing. You know? Uh-huh. Oh man. Now, uh, now, Dan, when you say it's a save the cat scenario. I've never, I never knew that the Save the Cat screenplay method was make your hero likable by having them save a cat at the beginning of the movie. Is that what you're saying it means? I
0: believe that's what it means. Are you not? That a, you,
2: yeah. That, you, that that you should that you should always have someone save a cat.
0: Well, not literally a cat, but like sh- show something like that early on yeah. to like get you um, sympathetic with them.
2: Well, how come I've never seen a movie where someone saves a cat at the beginning?
0: Yeah, Save the Cat is the screenwriting rule that says the hero has to do something when we meet him so that we like him and want him to win. So, you know, it's... Well, like know. the
1: long goodbye. Long goodbye saves a cat, right? <laughs>
0: Yeah, inside Lewin Davis is all about trying to. I mean, the that's cat. the
2: whole. I wonder if that's when the Coen Brothers were like, "We got to really learn how to write screenplays. We got to read I mean, this." I book. wonder if that is wait, the joke wait, of that, it. I don't was know. Was I right? What was I right? Did I remember the long goodbye correctly? I don't remember.
1: There think, is yeah, a, yeah, a, cat. a
0: cat, right? He goes out. The cat is fussy. It only eats a certain kind of food. Uh-huh. I think the cat ran away then because the the, the, the bad food. Can we get back now, to it? <laughs> now, Dan,
2: wait, but then in Batman Returns, the cats oh, save Michelle Pfeiffer. So uh-huh. Uh-huh. why are the cats not the heroes of the movie?
0: It, That's I actually mean, a good
2: point.
1: Good point. Good point. And in Wonder Woman 1984, Kristen Wiig's character is a cheetah person. Mm-hmm. That's kind of a cat. So maybe Gal Gadot's the hero because she saved Kristen Wiig from a the war.
0: Gal is the hero. <laughs> she is... The titular Wonder Woman. Can we, Dan, Dan,
2: Dan, you can talk about her performance without talking about her body. Thank (laughs) you very (laughs) much. Okay, the eponymous Wonder Woman. Again, Dan, please. (laughs) Inappropriate. So
0: Christopher Walken gets a letter from his nephew in America. He doesn't want to read it in front of Jamie Dornan. Uh, There's a blow-up. We don't know what it's about yet. Um, Maybe
1: his readers are really weird-looking, and that's why I didn't want to read the letter in front mm -hmm. of him.
0: His like readers? His glasses.
1: Yeah, his, his reading glasses. I've never readers. heard them referred to
2: that. Before. I'm learning well, a lot of terminology out today. You with old people. Yeah, I got readers, so, save the cat, Fen. This is a very educational episode for me.
0: Jamie Dornett, uh practices asking uh, Emily to marry him, Rosemary Emily, to a donkey. He's practicing, yeah. to a donkey, Is saying these words to a donkey. He kneels in front of the donkey to ask, uh, and, and this old dude named Cleary is l- yeah, l- yeah, yeah. peeking over the wall, like the, <laughs> yeah, awesome. like in The Simpsons, where, where where Mr. Burns tries the pacifier and the paparazzo <laughs> just goes, what a scoop. Uh, he goes, <laughs> Mary, a donkey, are you? You are mad. And uh-huh. uh, Cleary, I guess, is the guy who goes around telling bad news to everyone, because he tells uh-huh. Dornan that the farm is being sold to Walken's nephew.
1: Then he and then then him. he like runs off and Jamie Doran chases him around because <laughs> yeah. he's like, Don't tell anyone about the donkey. Oh. Can't <laughs> yep. put that genie back in the bottle. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so um <laughs>
1: And I don't
0: know at this point, like, really, what is keeping these two fuckers apart? Because <laughs> I'm like,
2: well, Wait, which which fuckers are you talking about? Cleary and and Jamie Dornan? Because he <laughs> hates Because he's a gossipy old man no. who's telling people he's in love with the donkey. This is not my slash fic. This is I'm
0: just saying our leads, Jamie and uh, Emily Blunt. Like, w- like clearly he likes her at this point. Yeah. So just do it. Like if he's willing
1: to. Well, I think, I mean, Elliot brought it up before, but they both suffer from crippling depression
2: and also narrative requirements. Mm -hmm. Yes, they suffer from crippling narrative requirements, which is the real issue. Uh, Now I was saying to, I was talking, so my wife watched the beginning of this movie with me and then about 30 minutes in, she said, I don't want to watch any more of this. So I watched the rest by myself. But she was, I I was talking to her and I was saying, a really good, a really well done romance. You know, that they're going to end up together. And you want it, and they're so obviously meant for each other that each time yeah. an obstacle gets in their path, it frustrates you, and you're like, "Come on, no, no, no! You got to do this." So by the time they overcome the obstacles, whether they're internal or external, you're like, "Yes, you did it." Here, like you're saying, Dan, there are almost no obstacles, so it's very, yeah. it's this weird. It's, it's almost like a like like a Brechtian experiment in distancing the audience from caring about these people <laughs> because their problems are so invisible, and and you don't know yeah. what's why or what's going on. You know. It is
0: very confusing. So uh, I assumed
2: going in that this was going to be about two feuding families and they hate each other and that's why they're they're arguing. But no, their parents get along great.
0: Well, I also yeah. thought. It, I mean, you know, you see John Ham in the uh, in the poster, you think this is going to be a love triangle. He figures in mm-hmm. in, in significant but small ways. Um, anyway, now Dan, so, is
2: it ironic that John Ham is the least hammy performer in the entire movie? That he he actually gives uh, the most subdued performance of anyone in the film. <laughs> yeah, uh, sure. I mean
1: it. It's kind of offset by the fact that the first scene, or the first modern scene, is Christopher Walken taking a ham from a widow. So
2: mm, that—that's that, true. Oh, there's so much symbolism in this movie. You know what? I forgot uh-huh. it. You know, it's a rich stew. It's a rich mulligatani stew of uh, of ideas, uh-huh. themes, and symbols. Uh-huh. And I love it now.
0: So uh, Blanche is mad at Walken that he's selling the farm to his nephew, and and she's like, "Hey, he'll smarten up and marry me eventually." and again i'm like what what the fuck's keeping these people apart uh doran's like oh it's fine if the farm gets sold and he's at the bar and a a woman comes up to him and meanwhile blunt and her mom and are at a different bar where there's old irish music playing there they call them pubs Mm -hmm. yeah pubs they're at a pub sorry uh, Blunt sings a song that uh, Christopher Walken's wife used to sing that the, the titular "Wild Mountain
2: Time." Again, Dan, mm-hmm. there is no reason to comment yeah. on her appearance or her body during this. It's just yeah, huh? it's a singing it's a singing thing. There's no reason. And,
0: yeah, and she has a, a lovely voice. She's been in musicals before. Emily Blunt, uh, Into mm-hmm. the Woods, Mary Poppins,
1: like "Lived, di- Lived, I Repeat." Live, die, repeat. (laughs) (laughs) Now,
2: what if now Stuart? What would be some of the song titles from "Live, Die, Repeat" the musical? Repeat.
1: Uh, I, I, I don't know. There's the uh, "Back Again." Mm -hmm. Here I am. I'm not dead. Hey, Uh there's Tom Cruise. Uh Oh, look at those aliens! Watch out for the aliens. Here I
0: am, right where I belong. That's from it, right?
1: That's
2: from Uh "Live, Die, Repeat" the musical. Now, uh, what 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 would his, his "I Want" song be? Oh, that's true
1: i uh that's uh that's i stop stop killing me so many times that was the name of the song yeah. oh, okay <laughs> so, so one.
0: this is what th- there are a few moments that i found uh genuinely moving in this movie this was one of them uh christopher walken watching emily blunt sing this song that his wife used to sing and uh we see the woman and dornan are climbing over a wall for some reason and she's like, "I'll never see you again," right? And he's like, "Yeah." And so she confesses her worst secret that she slept with a priest, and mm-hmm. Jamie Dornan whispers his secret. Uh, or he, into her ear, and she falls off the wall. It is such a shocking or oh, funny nice secret business.
2: and she's laughing while she she's while laughing. she falls. But they yeah. were they were uh, drunkenly sneaking over a cemetery wall in bright daylight because they've been out all night just wandering around. I, I guess yeah. drunk.
0: Uh, so Jamie's going to the airport to pick up the nephew who's gonna buy the farm, and lo and behold, it's John Ham.
2: He and his
0: Irish father are there at the airport. John Ham, you you got to feel bad
2: for the actor who plays the Irish father because he barely appears in the movie. He kind of disappears and and evaporates into thin air, and no one ever mentions him again.
0: Yeah, yeah. And he, uh, so they go to the farm. John Ham shows up a a little behind everyone else in a fancy car.
1: Yeah, he's like a slick wheelie American American guy, right?
0: Yeah, and this puts well, it puts Dornan off a little bit that he's like this. City slicker, but the but as we will and see, And he's also
1: very direct.
0: Well, yeah, as we will see, John Ham is, to my mind, the only reasonable person in this movie. Um, but we'll get to it. Uh, and Ham gives him a white raincoat, which is, uh, I guess, uh, ridiculous because it's just going to get stained. I didn't
2: quite understand. I mean, it also why. looks ridiculous. It's kind of a ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, Dan, I have to, I have to. Correct. Earlier I said, uh, I referred to Neil McDonough when, met, when I meant Martin McDonough. That was the, uh, that was yes. the player I was talking about.
1: Neil that's McDonough what, is blue-eyed bad is, guy. Is the blue-eyed
2: bad guy actor. But I was, yeah, I was talking about Martin. He looks like Martin. a husky dog.
1: Um, <laughs> yes. He does look like a husky dog. Yeah. yeah that's true. Oh, man. So,
2: Dornan is- uh... My fantasies keep evolving, Damn, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, that's you have to assume that if he was an anamorph, that's what he would turn into, right? <laughs> yeah, of course.
1: Oh, man. When's the Neil McDonough anamorph <laughs> book coming <laughs>
0: So Dornan is wandering the field in his new white raincoat, using a metal detector, like he's some sort of detectorist. And John Hamm and Emily Blunt look at him like he's again uh, some sort of wacky character when he's yeah. acting
2: fairly normal. And I mean, I Hamm, wouldn't say it's necessarily normal, but it's not necessarily wacky. Yeah. It falls on that range between, look, have I ever walked around in a white raincoat with a nettle detector in Ireland? No. But if I saw someone doing it, I wouldn't be like, lock him up. Get the men with the butterfly nets. Oh, look what he's doing. Yeah. Oh, Faith and Bagora. Oh, you might, Rabbit. Yeah. You might. And uh-huh. those are all my yeah. Irish
1: voices. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't, like, pull out your phone and take a pic so you can, like, meme the hell out of it. <laughs>
2: no.
0: Yeah. Uh, so Ham is uh, very straightforward <laughs> with Blunt. He's like, he wants to her to sell land to him and like i am i am almost immediately on john ham's side in in all of his scenes because he's like the only direct human being in the movie well you would feel uh,
2: that way dan being an abrasive hostile american who just got straight to the point instead of living in the In the negative capability, you might say, and the ambiguous Uh beauty that God above, that Jesus provides for us on this beautiful earth where you get your mixture of happiness and sadness. You got your smiles and your tears. But in the end, I guess what matters the most is family and knowing that family will never (laughs) never tell you how they really feel about you.
1: I just yeah. I actually guys I just got a, a an alert on Twitter it says that Ireland's just changed its travel uh restrictions uh not covid related surprisingly it says Elliot Kalin not allowed
0: <laughs> What
1: <laughs> said accent worse
0: than wild mountain time Um no he comes into the movie and I'm like oh okay a rational guy cuz like he's immediately like you know, this is not a literal <laughs> line, but it's pretty close to the spirit of it. Just like, what the fuck is it with you people in this gate? And why are you waiting for this doofus to come around? Yeah. yeah. Well,
2: now, here's, here's the thing. He's a mostly rational character, except for the fact that there's no reason for him to want to buy a farm in Ireland. It is. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, we'll learn later on that, that his dream is to become an Irish farmer. So maybe he's not as rational as he claims. Like, that is how, like, the movie sort of undercuts his position a little bit. Um. But,
2: uh, I mean, it's
1: either that or like start a brewery or like a fucking tech company or something, right? Isn't I he a mean, Wall Street guy? He,
2: he maybe that's it. Is that he has a company and he wants to what's, what reverse whatever it's called where you buy a company? He buys that farm in Ireland. Now the the farm in Ireland is technically the corporate headquarters for his business, and he's at yeah. the Irish tax rate. That's a, I bet you that's exactly what it is, Dan. Yeah. He's just dressing up vulture capitalism as a romantic <laughs> vision of the Emerald Isle. And John Ham, you should be ashamed of yourself.
0: Oh, okay so it's gonna turn into like i mean this is scotland but it's gonna turn into more of a local hero sort of situation
2: mm-hmm. uh i mean no, mine is much more negative than that oh, okay. in, in scotland they learn their lesson in in local hero mm-hmm. in this one it's just gonna right. be more bad news for american taxpayers hi i'm elliot kalen it's oh. about time we stopped all these companies going to ireland and that's huh. why i think uh maybe i should just go to ireland and stop the companies from walking <laughs> in ireland you need me anyway that's my argument let me in please <laughs> Have we? Have we? Have we all been to Ireland? No, I just told you. I've no. never. I told no, you no, earlier no, no, I, thought, I've never been I there.
0: you've been to Scotland, Elliot. That's what I've I was been to thinking
2: Scotland uh, multiple times. I love Scotland. It's my second favorite country on earth after my beloved United States of America. Uh, mm-hmm. But I'd love to go to Ireland someday. But you know, I guess I'm more Scottish at heart. Maybe
1: maybe when they lift that restriction, but I don't know. You keep seem to be digging yourself deeper. Yeah,
2: yeah, I don't know. Maybe I mean, and also there was that time when I when I beat up the Lucky Charms Leprechaun, but that was over a misunderstanding. Yes. I thought he was somebody uh-huh. else. It
1: was dark. You thought, you thought he was the evil Leprechaun from the Leprechaun movies, and yes. you like. Might as well beat him up while you got the chance,
2: not realizing that if it was the real leprechaun
1: from the leprechaun movies, he could just magic himself away from your attacks.
2: I know. I, well, I wasn't thinking, and it's partly because I had just eaten a bowl of what I thought was Lucky Charm cereal, but was actually magic cereal magicked up by the evil leprechaun. And now, that had really thrown off my perceptions. So I guess- If
1: the leprechaun from the leprechaun movies was a fighting game character, for instance, right, Dan? He'd he'd be more of a zoner. <laughs> it would all be about teleport attacks and like range attacks, as opposed to- like beat down and brawling. What do you now, think, Dan? No, I bet uh. you the
2: Lucky Charms leprechaun would be one of those characters that throws a lot of stuff. Like yes, they that's have, what I'm saying. He's, not he's so also fi- a zoner. They're not so physically powerful, but they have a they have like a, a big combo that throws a lot of things at you. A lot of marshmallows. Yeah, you know, well, like a, I, like
1: a mega or ultra combo.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah I exactly. don't I I don't know how accurate this is because it is you know on one hand just something that someone wrote on the internet. On the other hand, it does come from the Leprechaun wiki. So if anyone knows about the Leprechaun movies, it's the people contributing to the Leprechaun wiki sure. and the claim over there is that it is not the same Leprechaun in all the Leprechaun movies, which makes sense because he just gets like blown up and stuff a lot and no one ever like <laughs> there's never a scene where he like comes back together and they're like, "Oh, you know, like he's uh, you know, a Jason style character who Gets like hit by lightning when yeah. Tommy Jarvis or whatever his name is tries to dig him up.
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, now I
2: wa- <laughs> Now I, I want to see. In, the pr- I
1: think in the in the most recent Leprechaun movie, uh, I think they do. It is the same Leprechaun as in the first one, but yeah, you're right. There's no like he's not like some kind of a phoenix that keeps rising from the ashes. They don't address that.
2: It makes sense. Yeah, now, there's no now real I continuity. See the scene, Once I want to see space. the prologue scene where it's like it's like the beginning of the Taken sequel where it's like. They killed our leprechaun. Now we need to get revenge. Send another <laughs> leprechaun after them.
1: Uh-huh. <laughs>
2: yeah, but yeah. once he's in space, I guess it's all non-canonical at a certain well, they point, just, right?
0: They just introduce him being in space, like he's like trying to marry the space princess, and you don't know how he got there, like whether leprechauns are just like across the universe, every planet has a leprechaun. Who knows? Julie
1: Taymor.
2: <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so that was, a, that was a Julie Taymor across the universe reference. Look, we're almost there. If we can mention Titus and Fools Fire, I think we'll be pretty far along on our in our Julie Taymor b- bingo card.
0: So, there's a scene that doesn't really amount to much where Ham and Dornan pick mushrooms. Uh, Emily Blunt's mom goes to the hospital. They don't, they,
2: now they don't take mushrooms. That would be an interesting scene that might bring us in a new direction. They're just picking mushrooms, and then I think is that when they also feed some cows. Yeah, it yeah. would also
1: explain their behavior.
2: Yeah. <laughs> It's, I don't understand you people. You never come straight to the point. Oh, well, we're high as balls all the time. <laughs> we, oh, we're always tripping like crazy on these shrooms here in the Emerald Isle. Yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, well, that would explain a lot. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, so uh, uh, Mother Blunt gets taken to the hospital. Uh, and the waiting room walk-in tells John Ham he can't sell him the farm because he doesn't want to tear uh, Rosemary and whatever the fuck his name is apart. And it, I'm just yeah, like, dude, you just made this guy fly to Ireland, <laughs> and I like, no, but Dan, uh, psych.
2: <laughs> but Dan, his action is clearly motivated by something that happened off camera and is never mentioned. So we have yeah. we have to assume something powerful. The same way that later in the movie, he and Dornan have a have a have a, a emotional moment that is again motivated by nothing. Yeah. I, it's. I guess that is that is something. If you try to if you try to untangle the dynamics of this, it is mainly about. Christopher Walken being a man with some sort of dementia that causes him to change personality from scene to scene and everybody just yes. dealing with that, maybe. Yeah.
0: So Blunt is crying in church. We cut to her. Uh, her mom is dead. A little time passes. Christopher Walken is now older. He, he, he <laughs> needs uh, an oxygen ch- tank to breathe. He's dying, and he's finally saying, I will leave the farm to you. Uh, but then he uh, he tells his monologue where he's like, I never loved your mother. I was uh, just lonely, so I thought, you know good enough, I'll, I'll marry her to, to not be lonely. But uh, eventually one day, sort of love came on him all in a rush when he was on, out in the field. Um, you know, he starts singing a song that uh, she sings the Wild Mountain Time song. like it all it all she he realizes that he has come to love her and he goes and he sells the right away of his farm to buy her a real gold wedding ring to replace the uh, brass one. And uh, Stuart's snickering, but I got to say, this is one of the few times, like, like this is another one of the scenes that I genuinely found moving. I think that part of it is just uh, personal. Like... um this is not the same situation, like.
2: No, no, like, I remember when you sold the, the the right of way of your from your farm to buy a, a ring. Yeah. I was like, don't do it, Dan. You are going to regret it. You, I'll lend you the money to buy the ring. Yeah, uh-huh.
0: this is not the same situation. Walkins is a little uh, sadder, but like, you know, like uh, in my life, Audrey and I dated. I sort of cut things off uh, too quickly because I was like, oh, you know, like I don't know right away how I feel but then we became very close friends. And then over time I realized, Oh wait, I've fallen for her. And like the idea of this sort of more closed off man, like through the course of building this life, you know, sort of having this come on him in a rush, like, uh, like the, the fog of sadness lifting from him. Like I, I found this all very kind of, um, uh, moving. Um, so
1: I I, I, I agree with you. I think the, like, I think, I appreciate the sentiment, yeah. uh, But there is something. It was just it was tough for me to take this scene seriously because Christopher Walken's line delivery. Like, I feel like his his dialect coach was Mm -hmm. just watching the whole time, be like, "What the fuck?
0: (laughs) You have to you have to look past his accent to enjoy any part of his performance. Once you like ignore his accent, his acting is you know like Christopher Walken, great. You know, it's like. You love to see yeah, he's, Christopher walking. Well, no, I think yeah, he's this fat
2: boy slim. This scene in a better movie could have been a very powerful scene for me. I appreciate that it, that you connect to it personally. Now, would it make you feel different if the song that that his wife used to sing that he uh, started singing in the field was "Hot for Teacher"? Would that make it any <laughs> yes you know, less I went emotional? To,
0: I went to "Tush" by ZZ Top. <laughs> okay, yeah, it
2: could be. Yeah, my
1: wedding song. <laughs> um, <laughs>
0: So, oh, oh, yeah, and before Christopher Walken uh, does pass away, he apologizes to his son for threatening to take the farm. They have a sort of a reconciliation. I mean, they were never, like, really, like, super at odds, but this was obviously, like— a big... They were
2: never—they were almost never at odds at all. But yeah. they, they were just kind of bickering. But this is the, the kind of scene that you see in a lot of Irish dramas where it's the deathbed admission of love, where it's like— yeah. Now that I'm dying and I don't have to deal with the shame of you knowing that I love you, I can tell you that I love you. But then Christopher Walken kind of dies off screen and, or he just kind of disappears. Characters just kind of disappear from this movie yeah. When, yeah. when the film is done with them. Well, it's, that's the wild mountain time, you know? Take like,
0: <laughs> <time laughs> to- Takes them away. Uh, now, so the, yeah, This and... movie
2: would make more sense to me if at the end they revealed that it was a simulation aliens had designed for the last three surviving humans who happened to be yeah. from Ireland. And the mm-hmm. aliens only knew what they knew from movies set in Ireland. And they were like, hopefully this make, will be comfortable for them. We're experimenting with how they deal with these uh, things, you know.
0: So Dornan and Blunt have kind of like, you know, they're, they're patented... Uh, Emotionally repressed, lightly, like, sort of circling one another romantically.
2: Very hard taught. to get a patent on that because you have to show that it's something that has at least one element that, it, that mm-hmm. has never been created before.
0: Yeah. Uh-huh. It's uh, his hair, Jamie Dornan's hair. <laughs> oh, what wow, That was it, hair really? The, the, I got to say, the, um, you know, there's a tradition of, you know, great, you know, tweeds and sweaters and like you know, like getting a good quality piece of clothing and like keeping it and mending it and like like that is a bigger thing I feel over in the United Kingdom and in Ireland, uh, but it uh all of the people's clothes are too good (laughs) in this movie. I know like they are they're all like beautiful, like this is like a catalogue of like clothes you would get in Ireland and none of them are dirty ever. Um, Even though
2: they they talk about farm there's a part where uh John Hamm is like to to a, to a bystander is like you know I'm not an Irish farmer and she goes well your hands don't look like feet and he then's like well, Jamie Dornan is beautiful Yeah he looks like, incredible. He looks yeah. amazing like and he's the guy who's supposed to be working on the farm. There's a lot of a uh, let's call it unrealistic appearance in this yeah. movie. But again Dan we don't need to talk about their appearances that's not that's it's inappropriate. <laughs> okay. And so, it's not okay.
0: There's this this talk that Doran and Blunt have, and at one point he weirdly was like, "What's a man's place in this new world?" And I'm like, what, "Are you like a men's rights guy? What is this?" Yeah, chill he's, out, dude.
2: It it really feels like he's trying out monologues to see if any of them attach to the movie. Yeah. Like, no, that one didn't take. Okay, cast it aside. Uh, what if I talk about What if I talk about the beauty of the grass? Okay, yeah, it seems to be that. Oh nope, no, the antibodies from the movie are rejecting it again. Okay, let's try another one. Um,
0: so, uh, Rosemary is pretty reasonably like, uh, why aren't we together already again? And Dornan has this talk about like dreaming of everyone in the world and like being at the front of a parade. And it sounds like the end of like a Fellini movie. <laughs> or it's, something it's, it's
2: like a, mo- it's, he's describing, yeah, he's either describing the end of eight and a half or he is ripping off some of the, some of the stuff from our town. Where they, it's like, it's a a very Thornton Wildry type of speech, you know, that it doesn't, where you're like, what are you, what? Like, what is this, like, where where did you come from with this? He's a, that was one of the few moments where I was like, oh, maybe he is just a weird, maybe he is a weirdo. Like, Rosemary, stop bothering with him. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, and and they don't,
1: they don't see each other that much. So it is one of those things that he's probably, like, been thinking about for a while and this weird (laughs) conversation. Then all of a sudden he's like, finally a human being I can talk to. And he tells this, (laughs) this long story and she's like, what? I thought I, wish I, I thought we were just like I thought we were just like saying hello. But this would yeah. have been a
2: better movie if every time someone had like a like a little monologue, the other person went what.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so so he tells her maybe she should leave Ireland again, and uh-huh. I have no idea why. But but he leaves, and she's like, wait, maybe I will leave Ireland, and we see a bunch of crows and uh she puts swan lake on the record player
1: uh-huh. and
0: she dons a, a a white dress and she does kind of a, a weird dance around the front of her mm-hmm. house
2: she, she goes into like a swan and, lake trance and dances at yeah. her house and at this point she's not said, dancing at Luganza that's a different no. thing that's a different oh, okay. play yeah uh, it's a different l- l- play it's not that I,
0: yeah I, I, isn't it Lunasa? i, <laughs>
2: I don't know yeah, and she's like... also not she's not dancing at the Blue Iguana also something okay. very different she's not at yeah. the Blue Iguana at all
0: so she's dancing around in this white dress. At which point, Audrey says, "If she flies, I'll fucking lose it." Um,
2: <laughs> oh, I would have loved that. I mean, she does fly in a plane. but well, I would have loved comes, if she just lifted into the air.
0: <laughs> Audrey came around. She's like, as once we saw the end of the movie, she's like, "No, she should have fly." And I agree. Like, the once you see the end of this movie, you're like, "Okay, like there needed to be a lot more, like sort of like." weird, almost magical realism sprinkled in from the beginning to like key you into the tone of what they're trying to do. But anyway, I
2: mean this, this movie is it's weirdly like watching someone like someone is doing trying is doing like this Irish romantic drama but there's like a Jupiter ascending underneath it that's trying to mm-hmm. crack out at different moments, yeah. and it's like, oh, let that Jupiter ascending out! Like this should be a this should be a weird movie, but instead it's not a weird movie.
0: Yeah, so they they fade from like her dancing to swans flying, and then an airplane flying, and we've once in which New is York. how it
2: evolved. That's swans evolved into airplanes, like, just like in mm-hmm. 2001, he throws that bone up in the air and it turns into mm-hmm. a space station. Uh, yep. Do you ever worry that uh, that it's actually those things are actually happening concurrently, and the bone is going to fly up and hit the space station and <laughs> knock it out of the sky.
0: Well, no, I don't think that ape can throw it into orbit. <laughs> Wait a minute,
2: that <laughs> probably that bone turns into a space station. Well, not literally. Yeah. It's well, actually, yes. There, I assume there was a sequence where the bone got longer and longer and longer and bigger uh-huh. until it turned into a space station. Mm. But if you're if wow. the, if the swans, I mean, because over time, swans they lost their feathers and gained co-pilots, and that's how planes <laughs> were born. <laughs>
0: Gated cobalt They evolved a black box. Yeah, exactly.
2: Uh, <laughs> well, why didn't they evolve to make the whole plane out of the black box? Anyway, uh, guys, uh, what happens next? <laughs> Where okay, is she well, going? Well,
0: she's, she's in New York, hanging with John Ham, and yeah. it's revealed she's only there for one day. And she asks Ham to take her to the ballet. And when she's at the ballet, which is, I presume, Swan Lake. I mean, it that's is Swan enough Lake, to see yes. all of
1: New York, right, one day.
0: I mean, I mean all if she you're, cares about if, is this ballet. She's I mean, a real if, uh, six weeks. Right if you're now. Dudley
2: Moore and Mary Tyler Moore, that's all you need to see. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And now yeah, here, this is right. so. This is this was the most shameless, or should I say, shanless part of the movie <sighs> to me, because in Moonstruck, there's the scene where Cher is watching the opera and it connects with her, and she and it, it leads to an epiphany. And here, it's like, well, sh- this woman's going to see the ballet, and it's going to help lead to an epiphany. And I was like, come on, dude, like, don't yeah. don't redo your old stuff, you know. Anyway, so she she imagines it.
0: herself as a child up uh, on stage dancing with a ballerina, and Ham has a look uh, at her that like later on you learn is supposed to be like admiring, but I took it as like what is it with this lady in this ballet? <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. That's um, kind of what it looked like. It was like he was like he was about to ask her if she wanted to leave because it was boring, and then saw she was really yeah. caught up in it. it. Was like oh 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 how do I deal with this? <laughs>
0: So how, like, how
2: long how long can I how long can she believe that I'm using the bathroom for if I just yeah, leave and yeah. come back when this is over.
0: So they're lingering over some after dinner drinks later and Ham is sort of like you know indicating that he's interested in her but not like super yeah. like overplaying it or anything and she's like talking about the the ballet saying I'm the white swan in the ballet and and John Ham says Look, you can't let romantic ideals ruin your life. You have to be at least a uh-huh. little realistic. And I'm like, yeah, man. Yeah, <laughs> this guy's what,
1: he's sharing his fucking farmers only profile with us.
2: Yeah, and uh... <laughs> but he's he's basically giving he's giving her a similar to speech. It's a similar speech to what uh, the hero of Zootopia gets at the beginning, where her parents are like, "You just gotta settle. Dreams are only lead to failure." Yeah.
0: Well, <laughs> Emily Blunt in this movie like has been like. Fa like 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 chasing this guy all of her life, and it's only brought her misery. Like at this point, John Ham's like, "Hey, be a little more realistic." Is a very sensible. Oh thing. no, no. I,
2: well, I think I think it's okay for him to say that guy's not into you. You got to deal with it. But to then say dreams are for losers and reality is oh, is you got I... you got to lo- lose those dreams.
0: No, no, no! I love the next thing that he says. She says that you know, have you ever had like a dream? Like I have a dream since a kid that I I just can't shake. And John Hamm says the kinds of dreams kids have make adults miserable. And I thought, yes, you're right, John. Hamm. It's a good
2: line. Yeah, it's a good line. <laughs> it's a good line that my life is a direct rebuttal of. So anyway, because I've achieved so many of the dreams yeah, I had when I was a kid. if you fucking
0: achieve them, but if you hang on to like the sort of like thing like kids. Kids are not smart enough to, like, <laughs> know what they want. I mean, like, that's she seems true. to have fixated on something for her entire life. Anyway. Considering it's very... one of my
2: sons wants to be a baby snake. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Uh, now, would it would it have been better if after they saw it, she said, I'm the white swan. Me, the white swan. And tried to fly, and he had to, and she turned into, like, kind of a crazy supervillain type. That would be amazing. Like, he sends her to Arkham, and then she comes out as the white swan, and she's committing swan-related crimes. Of which there are not that many.
1: Guys, real quick uh what exact kind of snake does your son want to be a baby of
2: <laughs> now at this point we don't know for sure some kind of constrictor
1: oh cool okay yeah 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 i mean they're they're pretty cool i mean you could keep them as a pet theoretically uh unlike a unlike a venomous snake which, i mean you when know, a, snake or, a pet.
2: snake or no when he's 18 he is out of the house okay that makes i will sense. have done my time my wild mountain time <laughs> yeah. continue dan
0: so uh, later on at night, uh, John Ham and she are walking on the waterfront, and he kisses her and she says, Oh my God, all the way back to Ireland. Um, you see her on the plane, still saying, Oh my God. And you see Dornan in his house, and Ham calls him. And uh, based on uh, Jamie's reaction, the message is basically, sorry, you snossed and you lost. Mm -hmm. I am coming back to Ireland. I am looking for romance. And uh, Jamie Dorn knows just what that means.
2: He says, I've got a little uh, transatlantic booty call going on. Mm -hmm. So, uh, hey, you think Rosemary's up? Because I'm about to get on Mm -hmm. a plane. So I can... So I can tap that. And he goes, please don't talk about her that way. That is inappropriate. And he's like, I'm a straight-talking American, and I say what I'm going to do. I'm going to get on a plane. I'm going to go over there. I'm going to have sex with her. Probably ask her to marry me. Then uh-huh. I'm gonna buy your farm. What are you gonna do about it? And he's like, "Didn't mm-hmm. my dad tell you earlier he wouldn't sell you the farm?" And he's like, yeah. "I don't know. I forgot, dude. This movie's so boring. I can't remember what happened to me yeah. from one thing. I just had to sit through the through the ballet. We were walking around. Maybe it was the Hudson Yards part of the city, which I don't. It doesn't feel like the real New York City, you know, for for an old old New York hand like me. And uh and Jamie Dornan's like, this seems like we're not talking about the movie anymore. And John no, Hamm's yeah. like, I just think the city's changing. That's why I want to go to Ireland, an eternal place that's always 1947 uh-huh.
1: to 1957.
2: Tirnanog, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Now, Tirnanog sounds like a Tolkien bad guy, but is not, right? No, it's not. No, it's a okay. thing.
0: So here's where the movie gets kind of— thing. Uh, yeah, again, sort of, uh, more magical, uh, realism. They're both back at home at their places in Ireland. It's stormy, there's a bunch of crows flying around, and, like, it seems like maybe she's calling Anthony telepathically, like, you hear her, like, whispering his name on the soundtrack, and, like, the wind is blowing, and she goes out on her horse uh, across the moors and finds him out metal detecting in a storm which seems like a really bad idea <laughs> to yeah. have a long metal thing that you were and, yeah,
2: just to, just follow the lightning dude <laughs> and to yeah. be looking for more metal yeah <laughs> yeah so and meanwhile I mean, and the, the quickest way to get where you're going is to ride the lightning honestly uh-huh yeah yeah, yeah. And meanwhile, uh, during this
0: whole next sequence, I'm not going to mention every time they cut back to him. But John Ham is on a plane. He's reading Irish Farmer, and a lady (laughs) next to him points out, "Hey, you don't look like a farmer. You look like John Ham." And uh, uh, anyway, so that's his deal. He wants to marry an Irish lady. Now the uh, now.
2: Now, this is, is borrowing a Primal card in that they're using his magazine choice to tell us a little bit about <laughs> yeah. him. In yeah. this case, Irish Farmer magazine, as opposed to <laughs> yeah. Nicholas Cage of Primal, who's reading Real Estate magazine. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So uh, they return to Rosemary's house, and he's doing something with the shutters of the windows I don't quite understand. She and... asked him to
2: close the shutters because there's going to be a storm. Okay. Oh, no, but she asked him to open the shutters, and he's confused yes, that was about the confusing why— part. Yeah, uh, that's yeah. he's she is uh, I think what it is is that she is uh, kooky yeah
0: okay so the skies open up <laughs> above him a lot of rain he starts getting rained on he bangs at the door to get let in and Emily lets him in she's kind of badgering him uh, like lightly romantically humming Swan Lake and she's like why are you always metal detecting and um, they have some Guinness While he's stuck there, which is what she wants. She wants him, you know, stuck there by
2: the storm so she can finally hash this out. He's stuck there long enough that she serves him two Guinnesses, and it was like, oh, boy, this is too long a scene. If he can have two drinks during it with a fair amount of time (laughs) in between drinks, like... She makes him a sandwich at one point, too, right? Yeah, and she makes him a sandwich. Yeah, and there's a a fair amount of of them talking kind of nonsense about men and women that doesn't really make sense, and that's when I, I started to realize... When they're talking about nonsense about men and women, this movie is to Moonstruck as Deadwood is to John from Cincinnati, where it's kind of like similar parts that have been assembled in a form that doesn't quite work. And uh-huh, it, made me I really wanna, it made me really want to go back and watch Deadwood again. So, guys, yeah. should we watch Deadwood now? Sure. Why mm-hmm. not? Um, so uh,
0: there's like a weird, like kind of depressing part where Doran says it's a great day to commit suicide. And Emily's like, oh, by the way, I have a loaded shotgun in the closet because I think about killing myself uh, frequently.
2: And I, I mean, that's I got... a
1: that's a Chekhov shotgun, right? It shows up later in the movie.
0: Uh, I don't think so. Anyway, no, no, I'm just fucking with you. I kind of like it's a
2: it's a it's a Chekhov's uh, not it's a Chekhov's not gun, which is another thing that they people talk about, uh, where you don't yeah. actually see the gun and it never gets used, but you know yeah, it's but... there for a moment. Yeah,
0: and I kind of like this scene too because finally they're actually talking. Like, there's some emotions bubbling beneath. Like they're still repressed, but. The rest of the movie goes too far in the repression where I can't see what's going on underneath the surface. And here, at least, it's like, okay, I can tell that they're like wary of one another, but I can also see what I'm supposed to be thinking about it. And But Dornan says, Ham's coming in town to seek a wife. And he says, maybe someone like you. I was thinking I might let him take a look at you. And you're like, what?
2: Because it gets mm-hmm. like
0: really regressive in the gender stuff here mm-hmm. for a little bit. She asks him whether he's gay, whether that's what's going on. She says that a man shouldn't smell like lilies. Um, the movie which,
2: is just spinning out possible yeah. possible things that could happen and then don't happen. The, like, yeah. the, the movie is run out of is is trying to get back on track really yeah. fast and is so, really slow.
0: Yeah, and she finally like is just straight up basically saying like, "Why haven't you come for me? What's going on? I have quit smoking for you because I thought you didn't like smoke." I went to New York City and I kissed your uh, your cousin or whatever he assume. <laughs> because
2: I thought you wanted me to kiss your cousin. So <laughs> yep. And does that turn reveals... you on? Is that it? That you like cucking? Is that what it is? That yep. you want me to be mm. with your cousin while you watch? And he's like, oh, I didn't think I could tell you, but that's yeah, that's what does it for me. Please don't judge. Uh, it's it's I can't cool. control. Let's keep
1: all this in, Jordan, please. And, and she's <laughs> like,
2: okay, I understand you and I love you so willing um, to make it work. Uh, and it's really uh, open minded.
0: No. I mean, the movie is very open-minded, but it turns out that his deal is, the big twist of the movie, the secret that's been keeping them apart is that uh, Anthony thinks that he is a honeybee. Mm -hmm. You did not just have a stroke (laughs) or or fall asleep. No, I didn't. No, the movie is about a man (laughs) who believes himself to be a honeybee. Uh, and that is what has been, um, you know, keeping our lovers apart for so long.
2: And that's when you you go back and you remember all the behavior that he was doing mm-hmm. uh-huh. that would be that would typify a honeybee, like using a metal detector, fishing, speaking <laughs> English out loud to his human yeah. family members, uh-huh. drinking Guinness, uh-huh. uh, yeah. all the uh, wearing a raincoat, yeah. driving a car. So you're now, like, oh, it all makes sense. Finally, all the clues have fallen into place. Kaiser Soze was a bee the whole time. Yeah. So
1: I feel like if this movie had had gone back and actually tried to show us some of the clues, we would have given it a raft of shit for it. Like any time a movie does, like, yeah. oh, let's flash back to two minutes ago when this person did this one thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the movie doesn't even do that, so it feels even more random and strange. Yeah, and, like and, I, and I'd forgotten a bunch of the shit that you guys mentioned before, like the pollen and whatever else.
0: Uh, I love this though. Like honestly, only something. This dramatic and strange would have justified the rest of the movie to me. Uh-huh. Like why they were like and it is a I think it is a very well acted scene on Emily Blunt's part because, you know, she before this revelation she says, I've gamed out every scenario. There's nothing you can say to me right now that is gonna like upset me or not make me want you. And then he says, I think I'm a bee. Mm-hmm. And you see her like she drives him home now and she's yeah. driving and she's kind of like talking a mile a minute and she's like you think you're a bee you think you're a bee you think... and you see her uh-huh. processing this but she co- like yeah. ultimately she comes to hey look we all think we're something you know it is a message of of acceptance she yeah. like you know he's a he's I mean a it's also person e- it's that, also
2: easy to accept that he thinks he's a bee since like again he never does anything bee like or in true. any way he's just kind of like a clumsy guy, Elliot. You know? Yeah he
1: he lives in apartment twenty three, and you should not trust him.
2: <laughs> You're right.
0: Typical <laughs> B. Whereas Dan, Ugh, to shut me, it down. Him, best joke of the podcast. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> Took to me a
2: while. T- to me, him revealing he was a B. Was as if I had sat through the most boring dinner <laughs> of my life, and uh-huh. then the waiter said, "And your dessert?" and just threw a monkey's paw on the table. <laughs> I and I'm like, it. what? What is this? Why? Where is this coming from? It was. It was. Ugh. I found it to be an unpleasant surprise. No, I thought it was great. So
0: uh, she crashes the car into a tree, semi-purposefully, it seems, and takes him down to the river. And it's raining again, hard. And Emily says she thinks she's a swan, which is, you know, not meant as literally as his bee fixation, I think, but kind of. And it turns out. Like, uh so he's been using the metal detector to try and find this ring, this gold ring that he lost. And, like, that would be, I guess, the sort of the symbol, uh, uh, the signal that they should be together. It turns out that she has the ring. She found it by her gate. And she says, do I have to swat at you to get you to sting me? Wh- which was fun. And then they finally <laughs> kiss. He picks her up, walks her out of the rain toward a patch of light. um, And, uh... And she goes, I like this exchange. She goes, I'm mad too, you know. And he goes, how? And she says, you'll find out when it's too late. Which is, you know, a nice summation of of long-term
2: relationships. Then they cut forward to their wedding night, and he's in bed waiting for her, and she stabs him to death. (laughs) Uh (laughs) And you're like, not where I thought the movie was going, but it was too late, I guess. Uh, Uh And we
0: briefly cut back to John Hamm, who seems to have partnered up uh, with the lady he met on the plane, or at least there's potential and uh and dornan is in the pub now singing wild mountain time and uh he calls his wife up on stage to join him in the singing which is the uh i think the third time i cried during the movie and his dead parents, Christopher Walken and the <laughs> Sorry, mom, or the audience. This. I'm not
2: laughing at the idea of Dan crying. I'm laughing at the expression on Stewart's face, on learning <laughs> that Dan cried three times during I the movie. Cried three and, times and during I, this movie. I've cried through many movies. I cry at a lot of th- a lot of things that I find are beautiful. Mm. But yeah. it was just it was just very funny. <laughs> <laughs> to see, to see Stuart's no, response.
0: Fine. Look, look, this movie is taking some very big swings at the end.
2: And uh, I mean, the fact that, I mean, and they're singing and, and his his mom and dad's ghosts are in the audience yeah. watching. But I think and this the, is... The last shot yeah, is yeah, them Yoda. standing
0: on a hill in the sun, the hill that he uh, carried her up toward. And now they're in the sun outside of, uh, I guess, the depression that bedevils all Irish people and the end.
2: Now, I think it shows to, this is one of those things where I think a movie, as, as we all know, really benefits from what you bring to it. And, Dan, yeah. I appreciate that it connected with some real feelings that you had. And it makes me feel bad then that it left me so cold throughout the entirety. And so by the uh-huh. time he said he was a B, I was like, too little, too late movie. Don't try to win <laughs> me back now with some, with some zaniness. Come on. Yeah. Don't try to throw that in. And maybe it's also that I have, I have a fairly low tolerance for Blarney it turns out. Yeah. Uh-huh, yeah. Uh, whereas, I mean, if it's something that feels like uh, it has some sort of Irish authenticity to it, I like, like the show Dairy Girls. I think it's a really fantastic show, and that's a show where I'm like, oh, this feels like it comes from a place that's a real place. Whereas this, there's just so much, like, Irish spring commercial type uh, <laughs> type stuff, and I was like, oh, boy. Okay. I mean, like,
0: that, that stuff is the stuff that connected with me least. As soon as it got, as soon as the movie, like, showed me that i think it was supposed to be taken on a more metaphorical level than it seems at first i, I got more into it and that's why i think it probably worked better as a play because you can yeah. get away with oh, uh, some of that more like overt
2: i think it probably worked much better as a play also you can get away with a long sequence where characters are talking in circles yeah for no reason but a uh, it really, but and then it ends with the same VO of from Mister. Walker, who says, "If an Irishman dies while telling a story, you can be sure he'll be back." And I'll be like, "Well, you weren't really telling the story, like, mm-hmm. and also, but you came back as like a ghost at the moment." At the end. it's one of those things, things that's yeah. like, "This is there is this supposed to be profound because it's not literal and it makes yeah. no sense." And there's a lot of uh, the Irish Irishness type stuff, you know. So,
0: okay, let's do f- uh, final judgments, and I will say, I will look here. It is. Here it is, it's your, guys.
2: it's your favorite movie of 2020. You're giving it all the Oscars. No,
0: I, look, I, I can see why not to enjoy this movie. And it is a very frustrating movie in terms of, for much of it, people are not behaving in ways that seem to make any sort of sense, as I know humans to behave. But as soon as it made some of its bigger emotional leaps, I started getting on its wavelength and... I found myself very touched by the ending. I would have a hard time recommending it to anyone because I think that your guys' take on it is probably the more reasonable one. But I think that there is a small subset of the world that would find this uh, uh, enjoyable. I, you know, I'm not giving look it, two and a half, three out of five is is even though I was taken with some of it, but still, mm-hmm. I I, Dan, I think I kind of liked it.
2: Dan McCoy. Uh Dan McCoy, it's me. It's me, the ghost of your great-great-grandfather, Seamus McCoy. Look, I came from beyond the veil, over the rainbow, to tell you (laughs) you shouldn't be so ashamed of the things that you like. If you like it, then you should just go ahead and say it, even if it's a piece of shite like this movie (laughs) is. So just go ahead and say that you like it. You know, we Irish... We got a saying, but we're a funny, we're a funny type of people. We Irish, you know, we're uh-huh. just as quick to yell as we are to cry, just as quick to be poets as we are to punch some uh-huh. guy for no reason, just because we feel like punching <laughs> a guy. But you know, we Irish has uh-huh. a saying, and that uh-huh, saying yeah. is, "When the blarney's in the heather, you gotta ride sure. the mist or the green fields." Uh-huh. And I think you be knowing what I'm saying, because you're also of the same sort. You got the blood of the Emerald iron in you. Uh-huh. You're a, you're a real, uh, <laughs> yep. you're a real child. You're a real child of, yeah, yeah. Uh, of, of hibernia so you know i just want to tell you dan don't be ashamed don't be ashamed of connecting on a deep and a deep ancestral level to what you'll be seeing in this movie
0: (laughs) Okay, it makes, well, too... It's, it's
2: Elliot has to assume now that this is how you guys felt the time he showed you Hitler under roof, and you were not really that interested in it. And he said, "I don't understand." And it's because mm-hmm. when you see a movie that strikes you at that primal level, like you with this or Stuart with Primal, you just feel that sort of <laughs> that emotional connection. And so I got That's to say, a good Dan, movie. before before the before the coppers come to get me, because old Saint Peter, he told me not to leave anymore, and I keep leaving heaven so I can see women dressing in changing rooms and he tells me I'm not allowed to do that. Oh, Uh, don't don't do that, yeah. (laughs) There's no real, I guess there's no real place for a misogynist ghost in this new modern world anymore. But Dan, Dan, you just shouldn't be ashamed. Oh, they're coming to (laughs) get me now. They're coming to take me away, ha-ha. And so I'll just, I'll see you later, and I'll haunt you in your dreams until you avenge me, murderers. (laughs) Goodbye, Dan.
0: Okay, well, I'd like to apologize to our Irish listeners for that (laughs) hate crime that was just perpetrated. I I don't know if I'd call
2: it a hate crime. I did, like, I I like...
0: I did like Fiddler on the Roof quite a
2: bit. I uh, good I, save. Mean, I, I mean, I I will say, Fiddler on the Roof is objectively better than Wild Mountain Time. No, of course but... <laughs> it is. Of course it is. So, guys, I, what what are your so judgments? I, I will say, as a, I would give this movie a bad, bad. Uh okay. Just because I felt it was a, it felt like I was constantly trying to hold on to what was going on in this movie and couldn't quite grasp it because it was so like wispy and circular and not not it was it was so vague to me the whole movie was so vague and i can deal with a with a slow movie or even a dull movie but this one it was just like every time my brain tried to hold on to it it would slip off the edges you know so uh i would give it a bad bad but hey it's worth seeing just the part where he admits that he's a b yeah
1: (laughs) yeah i mean i i'm gonna go ahead and say i think this is a bad bad movie i think it's a little bit too long uh there's, I mean, I think there's a couple of nice lines that I think kind of work in a play, but maybe not so well in a movie when it's like mushed together with all this stuff that doesn't work. Um, it, It's like, I don't know, I, I just recently got done watching uh, that, that show Normal People, which is about, uh, you know, it's kind of a love story uh, between two Irish people, and the whole time I'm watching that show, I'm like, I cannot understand this dude's motivation uh, and I feel like that carried over into this movie. Uh, <laughs> I just, so maybe don't you just don't understand these understand Irish Dudes' motivation. Yeah. yeah, I guess I just don't understand this motivation. No, I, I, for,
2: for I
0: me agree with all it, your criticisms, but I still enjoyed it.
2: Oh yeah, that's fine. I mean for a lot of it for me was just was was tone stuff too. Like it never it never achieved the tone it needed to to get away with some. And there's but there are beautiful lines in it. There's a part where when she's when she's trying to figure out what's wrong, she says, "Do you ever think do you ever wonder what I'm wearing when I'm not wearing as much?" And I thought that was a yeah. a beautiful way of like of of uh trying to get around to, trying to be uh like sexual with him without without running afoul of the limits in their minds, you know. But uh yeah. there's there there it's like every time there's a really great line in it it's like a like you're jumping from stone to stone across a river and then something and then you'll slip on a really mossy stone and fall in the river and you're like damn it <laughs> that stone yeah. didn't work. Okay. That was a particularly Irish metaphor I feel like. Yeah, that Guys. was great. I like yeah. that one. Yeah.
1: Oh, I just got an email. You're your travel ban has been lifted. Oh,
2: thank you. I can finally go to, to Ireland uh-huh. and, and see all the all the pubs that my me ancestors went to, uh before they left uh Russia. Oh no, Elliot. I just got another email. <laughs> oh no. Did I get banned again? <laughs> yeah.
1: I started listening to Ono, oh Ross, and Carey shortly after I broke my arm. I couldn't get my book started. I was lost, honestly. I knew it was time to make a change. There's something about Ono, oh Ross, and Carey that you just can't get anywhere else. They're thought leaders, discoverers,
2: founders. I'd call them heroes. Ross and Carey don't just report on French science, spirituality, and claims of the paranormal, they take part themselves. They show up so you don't have to,
0: but you might find that you want to is better
2: i wrote an entire book this weekend it, it's terrible but i did it just go to maximumfun.org. Thank, thank you ross. ross and carrie Ona ross and carrie is just a podcast it doesn't do anything it's just sound you listen to in your ears all these people are made up goodbye Hi, I'm James, host of Minority Corner, which is a podcast that's all about intersectionality. It's hosted by James with a guest host every week. Discussing all
0: sorts of wonderful issues, nerdy and political.
2: Pop culture. Black queer. Feminism. Race. Sexuality. News. You're going to learn your history, their self-empowerment, and it's
1: told
0: by what feels like your best friend.
1: Why should someone listen to Minority Corner? Why not? Oh my god, free stuff. There's not free stuff. The
2: listeners of Minority Corner will enjoy some necessary LOLs but mainly a look at what's happening in our world through a colorful lens.
1: People will get the perspective of marginalized communities. I
2: feel heard. I feel seen. Like you
1: said, you need to understand how to be more proactive in your community, and this is a great way to get started. Join
2: us every Friday on MaxFun or wherever you get your podcast. Minority Minority Corner, because Because together together, we're we're the the majority. majority.
0: Hello, it's me, Dan McCoy. Let's do some ads.
2: Okay, <laughs> Dan, did you just did Scott Bakula just jump into your body? What happened there? You know,
0: I appear to be in some sort of podcast. Oh uh, I should uh, do an Ziki, get me out of here. I'm podcasting. <laughs> um, hey, now more than ever, storytellers and content creators are challenged with producing more video content at a higher quality than ever before. Keep up with the growing demands for modern video content without sacrificing your vision with stock media from Storyblocks. Storyblocks is dedicated to being the world's best royalty-free stock media subscription service with an ever-growing library that has over 1 million high-quality stock assets, including 4K-HD footage, After Effects, and Premiere Pro templates, music images, sound effects, and more. They have affordable subscription plans and tools with Storyblocks' unlimited all-access plan, You can get unlimited downloads of everything in their library, and even if your subscription ends, everything you've downloaded is yours to keep. Um, We got uh, uh, some logins so we could test this out. I actually used Storyblocks for a little something for the uh, live show we promoted earlier, and uh, very easy to use, very high-quality footage, uh, uh, a lot of fun. And a wide variety
2: Um, of footages, right?
0: Yeah, a lot of stuff. A lot of. It's stuff. not just the not...
2: Tacoma Narrows Bridge in the wind during that earthquake. There's other. There's there's more footage than just that. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: it's not just the the Hindenburg crashing. Uh, <laughs> explore their library and subscribe today at Storyblocks.com/flop. That's Storyblocks.com/flop. And the Flop House is also sponsored in part by Hello Fresh. This is a uh, box food service. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, Explain what that is, Dan.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's food for boxes.
0: <laughs> no. What, what What happens is, so you get a box in the mail, right? You think, what's in this box? Well, it actually uh-huh, says "Hello sure. Fresh" on the outside, so you okay. know what it is. Presumably, you signed up for it. But what's in it is, you get fresh, pre-measured <laughs> ingredients and mouth-watering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door with HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh cuts out stressful meal planning and grocery store trips, especially now, so you can get, uh, so you can enjoy cooking and get dinner on the table in about 30 minutes or less. And eating healthier has never been easier with low-cal, carb-smart, vegetarian, and pescatarian options every week. And no matter what you choose, every single recipe is packed with fresh produce sourced directly from farmers. I'm gonna have a hell of fresh tonight. We we also got samples of this.
1: I that's why you're, uh, that's why you're that's why you're drooling all over the place right now, right? Because you're so excited. I'll yeah, tell
2: don't, you, I'm don't not short out your microphone with all that drool.
0: I've I've as as uh, as Jesse Thorn is, uh, is uh want to say on uh, over on Jordan Jesse Go I've had other services like this they've all been pretty good um but i i really like hello fresh i find um the quality uh some of the strongest i've had and um delicious food even the low calorie option which is what i chose um for as little as it does for me so go to (laughs) hellofresh.com
2: Dan your body
1: looks incredible
2: yeah yeah that's Dan fishing for compliments uh we also uh we've had two of the three HelloFresh meals that were sent to us my whole family enjoyed it we had the uh crispy buffalo chicken with broccoli mm. and mashed potatoes let me tell you they sent us a lot of broccoli which is good because we go through a lot of broccoli in our house and yeah. the kids loved it my my younger son kept saying give me the crispy parts i want the crispy parts and uh then we had uh just the other night my kids had the pork flautas which were sent to us and they like those mm-hmm. a lot too again crispy crisp them up they like crispy stuff so yeah. I'm looking oh, forward. well to,
0: they they know what's good and i'm
2: looking mm-hmm. forward to having the third meal but so far we've been very impressed uh my wife who is a Loves to cook and does not usually like the semi pre prepared things. She said it was super convenient, like to not have to figure out what we were going to eat, super convenient to know that she had all the ingredients right there and she wouldn't have to worry about running short of something. So, yeah, even she liked it. So, no,
0: I agree. I'm a you know, uh, 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 people who are longtime listeners know I do a lot of cooking, sometimes a little snobby about this kind of thing. Thought this was great. Thought it was great. So go to HelloFresh.com slash Flop10. That's the numerals, not the word. And use code FLOP10 for 10 free meals, including free shipping. That's HelloFresh.com slash Flop10. And use code FLOP10 for 10 free meals. Now, you guys both have a Jumbotron and I am going to break this uh, pool cue, and you can fight over who gets to do their jumpotron first.
2: I don't oh, need man. a broken pool cue, Stuart. You just <laughs> go. I don't, a... I don't. I don't. <laughs> I do not want a broken pool cue. I do not need that. That is just unnecessary clutter that will get lost in my house, and I'll find it or I'll step on it and it'll hurt me. So, Stuart, you just go. Take both halves of the broken pool you cue. I'm gonna take
1: both halves of this pool cue. Wow, that's a weapon in each hand. I'm like Miyamoto Musashi so the legendary my, <laughs> swordsman <laughs> yep two-hander technique okay so i have a a j-j-jumbotron happy 10-year anniversary oh this is a message for uh brian and it is from amy happy 10-year anniversary i thought the flop boys could help express my love we may not have everything figured out this year but i will always be on your team I can't imagine a better quarantine buddy. May the next 10 years still be filled with Dungeons, Dragons, Hugs, Space Marines, Podcasts, and Park Tacos. Oh, that is
2: great. Very sweet, but... Hey, guys, I hope your sweet meter's not over, because here's another sweet Jumbotron. This is for Max, last name withheld. It's from Elaine. And it says, Happy birthday, Max. You were making movies when you were nine. After watching a bad movie when you were 12, you left the theater complaining about quick-cut editing and movies that weren't plot-driven, then told me what you would have changed in the third act. Still love listening to your criticism. Thanks for making me a flopper. Love, Mom. Adorbs. Aww. I said adorbs. I added that. I apologize. You don't have to pay uh-huh. for that word, uh, yeah. uh, Mom. Uh, And I just want to remind everybody, in case that wasn't a touching enough heartfelt message, The Flophouse will be going live Saturday, February (laughs) 6th at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Teen Wolf is what we're talking about. That's right. We're finally going after the wolf. Let's see if we're hungry like the wolf or the wolf is hungry for us. Teen Wolf with presentations, audience Q&A, and more. Only $10 at www.theflophouse.simpleticks.com.
1: So we're reviewing the movie Wolf but uh <laughs> no. when we were teenagers mm-hmm.
2: yeah we're pretending that we're teens watching the <laughs> yes. wolf which was the case which yeah, was uh-huh. the case yeah. I, I watched it and i'm like uh okay i guess
0: i mean this is kind of a weirdly ironically toothless satire
2: of, <laughs> is that, of the business world is, is that the way you described it to your parents after you walked yeah. out you said hmm, yeah. uh-huh. for a wolf that was pretty toothless yeah um and they Let's said, move. "When we and they said, someday on our deathbeds, we'll tell you how proud we are of that joke." <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, moving on to letters, <laughs> letters from listeners
0: like you. This one's from youngster Lukey.
1: <laughs> awesome.
0: Uh, Lukey writes, "A late happy holidays to you three. Unless you really get into such occasions as National Bean Day on January sixth or January twelfth, Kiss a Ginger Day." in which case I am right on time. Like many Americans, my favorite thing to watch during the festive season is a Charlie Brown Christmas. During my perennial viewing last December, I was reminded of a time when browsing ShopCo, word to my fellow Wisconsinites, that I came across a replica of the sad twig tree that Chuck brings over for uh, for the Christmas play. It was being sold for around $20, if I recall correctly, and at the time I thought it was really neat. But the more I thought about it, the more it bothered me. I'm not upset at the prospect of Peanuts merch, by any means, but I was hit with the gross irony that some big business took a symbol of modesty from a program that goes out of its way to criticize the commercialization of Christmas, mass-produced it, slapped a price tag on it, threw it in stores, and probably made a killing off of it. Of course, I realize it's not a big deal in the grand scheme of things, and I'm certain there are plenty of people thrilled to have it, but it's not something that I've been able to push out of my mind. So I wanted to ask... Have you seen any movie or TV merch that has baffled you with its existence? Whether it goes against the message of the creator, has little connection to the work, or is just plain bizarre. What's something that made an exec think they could make a buck and proceed to swan dive backwards into hell? Keep on freeing in the flop world, youngster Lukey. I think I've talked about before, I mean this is probably like largely a joke uh, product, but I've talked about before how I gave Elliot uh, the meat That uh, Mm -hmm. Rocky punches in the Rocky. Uh, There's an
2: action action figure of a side of beef. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I didn't give you some. I didn't, like, buy the meat that Rocky punched. It (laughs) would probably be long, You bought me some
2: 45-year-old rotted rotted meat.
0: (laughs) And I was like, great. Thanks, Dan. Appreciate it. No, it's a plastic side of beef. This is not also to that point, but I just uh, wanted to give a shout-out, Elliot, to when you... I guess it was Eric, like, took an R2-D2... Uh, cooler from uh, 7-Eleven, like that they're <laughs> going to get rid of. And that was a used many times in your uh, live talk shows.
2: I was just thinking about the other day. I used to do a, a live talk show in a basement in the comedy theater, Juvie Hall, run by our old friend, Mer- Eric Morseczak. And he... Uh, yeah he hes he was at like a s uh, a convenience store in Queens and called me and was like they have a they have a r two d two Pepsi cooler it's like the <laughs> size of the real r two d two they said they'll give it to me for i think it was thirty dollars and I was like buy it and so and he and and that became my sidekick on the show and then when the show ended, we made a movie called The Death of R2-D2, uh, where R2-D2 dies. He dies of cancer, very sadly. And then it ends with Eric it, taking that and just dumping it in the garbage. And yeah. then we made another movie where where me and my old friend Brock Mahan... Uh, just took, I think, baseball bats and destroyed that thing, and yeah. then, and took out all the lining from it. There's all this weird foam in it, and threw it in the air like it was snow. But uh, yeah, that was a that's, un,
0: that's unrelated. That's a good un, piece of merchandise. It makes but. it
2: makes total sense why you would see a droid in a movie and be like, I want <laughs> to drink sodas out of that. <laughs> uh, I, the thing that first comes to mind for me is something I think we might have talked about in the past, which is how there was this strange moment in the late '80s, early '90s when characters from very adult movies were suddenly being merchandised for kids and the main one that sticks with me is like how much freddy krueger merchandise there was and there Uh was like i knew a kid with a nightmare on elm street lunchbox and like you get a freddy krueger talking doll and this is literally merchandise based on a movie about an evil child molester who kills kids in their dreams and his Uh face is horribly burned and the idea that it was just like yeah slap them on a lunchbox take that to school kids it's a very it's a strange thing but maybe the most inexplicable piece of version i've seen was uh, that picture that went around when uh, the force awakens came out of a bag of oranges that just had a picture of bb-8 on it yeah. <laughs> it's like so are these supposed to be like a- better oranges because bb-8 gives his approval like
0: yeah. i was <laughs> like you know like bb-8's a-, a sphere these oranges are a sphere you know it's a natural fit
1: yeah, I mean, th- this doesn't completely answer the question, but I do love—I did love the uh, the extreme advertising campaign for the movie Mordecai. How like <laughs> somebody somebody really banked hard on it, and it did not work out. The uh, but as far as as kind of recent merch, there was uh, there was that bit uh, when the Avengers: Age of Ultron came out. One of the toy sets that came out featured the quinjet and in the movie the one scene that involves the quinjet and a motorcycle hopping out has black widow on it but black widow is nowhere to be seen in the toy set it's like captain america or something riding it and it's like you didn't think the internet was gonna flip out over this
0: (laughs) yeah you thought you're gonna get this one by yeah Uh, um okay well uh second and last letter is a bit of a a follow-up from a previous recent letter uh from Trevor still not Noah last name withheld who writes Some, hey again don't
2: Trevor Trevor keep working at it someday you'll be Trevor Noah yeah
0: yeah hey again peaches I never thought it would happen to me you read my letter my wife and I were delighted to hear someone else misquote everyone's favorite bad boy feline she's certain to continue exclaiming bow Mal after this <laughs> as to what we were watching uh if you'll recall we were laying bets I'm fairly certain it was Raising Dion on Netflix. As far as I can remember, it features no cats, which helps to explain some of my confusion. I don't really know what made her think of your podcast at that moment. Thanks again. Trevor Still, not Noah. Last name. yeah,
1: yeah. Thanks, Trevor. Bow my mouth.
0: So, yeah, <laughs> that's a mystery solved. Put that in the closed case files. Wipe it off the wire-style big board we got up there. Yeah, to, yep. it's going to
2: turn from red red marker into black marker now that mm. now that we've uh, we closed Close that it. one. Yeah, finally.
0: Oh boy, guys, we got one more segment on the show.
2: What's that? <laughs> Dan, try Let's to pretend you're not as tired as the as the audience is. <laughs>
0: it's been a long week, I think, for everyone in America. This is yeah. <laughs> we're recording this, you know, not too long after <laughs> armed insurrectionists tried to fuck up democracy. Well, it's uh, not like
1: you work for like a, a political comedy show or anything.
0: No, thank God we were off the air. I have no idea what to say about that. Yeah. Um. Anyway,
2: so you uh, just loop
1: I, in like you just loop in like silly sound effects for all the footage. I mean, right? that there, that's usually there was what a, the Daily Show does, right? There was just a period like a in Daily Show
2: history when it when it, it just would have been speeding up the footage and putting yakety sacks on it. Like. <laughs> oh God. Okay. So
0: let's do recommendations: movies uh, that maybe you should watch instead. I would normally maybe not go to bat for uh, a huge movie over uh, discussing a small one, depending on what I've watched. But I do want to say I don't get all the hate for Wonder Woman 84. I had a really fun time. I enjoyed it. I thought it was zippy and funny. Like I think people were not prepared for how silly it is. Uh, and, but silly does not mean bad. I like silly sometimes. Yes, yeah, had we wild the, mountain
2: time. Well, mm-hmm.
0: like I feel like with like Marvel, say the unwritten rule is you can get sillier with the smaller properties, right? And that, and that's where people will accept the silliness with your Ant-Man's and your Guardians of the Galaxy. So you know, move on over to DC. DC already has all these like more like serious-minded, so they think fans, and Wonder Woman is one of the the big DC heroes so like but this was like a throwback to you know like richard donner richard lester style superman
2: the two richards
0: and i i really had a good time and i thought uh pedro pascal in particular was fun and i liked um how the movie hinged on like people were like oh it's got a magic stone shut up it's a comic book movie. It has a magic stone. Whatever. <laughs> uh, Dan,
2: Dan, you're really amping up on this. No, just, but like, Dan's, uh, Dan's opinions do not speak for the entire flat. I've so not seen the movie.
0: I liked the way that like it has this wishing stone and the movie's uh, apocalyptic plot is that this guy sort of weaponizes everyone's selfishness. He uses their desire to have their wish come true to create great power for himself, destabilize the world. Not too subtle a metaphor for what's going on in the world, but I don't care. Enjoyed yeah. it.
1: Dan's saying fans of DC movies, just like Wonder Woman urging the people to not wish for more than what they have, but to be accept their lot in life, mm-hmm. you're saying this is the Wonder Woman movie you've been given, just accept it.
0: No no. No. <laughs> I like uh, funny movies, I like silly movies, and I like movies that have like a little no, talk. Yeah, that's a movie that talks to the time. The is it? Street set time. in
2: 1984. <laughs> no, but it's all I mean, the
0: whole thing is about <laughs> like capitalism and the inherent uh selfishness of it and it has this figure you know that is not too hard to to read Trump into. Uh, and there's there's a really good scene Elliot
1: where um where Wonder Woman uh catches two kids and falls on the ground and she breaks her fall with the kids. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like <laughs> super obviously dummies. You can find the find the clip on the I internet. mean
2: but even but the Wonder Woman she's so strong and is she made out of clay in these movies like in the comics or no? Is she a living statue or she's a uh, but, uh, I think she's a. I think she's a person. Okay, because in the in the comics, she's. I guess she's turned into a person magically in the comics too. But like, she could have killed those kids by crushing them with her body,
1: with her clay right? body.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I haven't seen the movie, and I. Uh, it's not highest on my list, if only because. At heart, I'm a Marvel boy. Hey, I'm a Marvel zombie. House of Ideas, 100%. Stan Lee rest in peace. This is for you, pal. Excelsior! Yeah. Yeah. Exc- <laughs> Excelsior! Yeah. Face front. <laughs> uh yeah
1: so i'm gonna go next uh before i go dan did you ever recommend cam
0: uh i think i might have but you know well I'll, i'll jump
1: over yeah i mean i'll definitely recommend cam i'll recommend two movies i'll recommend cam uh it is a horror movie about a young woman who is a uh professional cam girl and uh she discovers one day she is very uh, ambitious, and she discovers one day that she is locked out of her account at that somebody who looks just like her is uh, camming in her place, and her kind of life falls apart. And it is a horror movie without a lot of obvious scares, but the whole thing is put together very well. It's very tense, uh, and I thought it was really great. And it came out a few years ago, but I feel like it, it feels more relevant now, both with, mm-hmm. like the the rise of online sex sex work uh entering the like public uh conversation and also just the way that we all feel kind of isolated using our uh using our screens to communicate uh um,
0: i i looked it up i did not recommend cam i saw it uh, and enjoyed it but did not recommend it
1: cool i think it's great uh check it out uh i think it's on
2: netflix uh that i guess that'll be my only recommendation i'll save my others Okay, I'm gonna recommend uh oh, Stuart and I are in for a competition because I'm recommending a movie that's on Amazon. Uh oh Whoa, oh no. Marvel versus D C all over again. Mm-hmm. But this time it's for real. Uh they, wait, were those Marvel wait, Marvel and DC? It wasn't really for real, right? They're all friends in real life. Wait. I don't I don't know. I Why mean, would like... I know better than you. I don't know. I thought maybe uh you were you had your finger on the pulse. You said it earlier. Uh oh no, maybe Stuart said it. So I'm going to recommend a movie that's on Amazon right now. It's called Blow the Man Down. It came out in 2019. It's written and directed by Bridget Savage Cole and Danielle Crudy. I think it's pronounced. And Margaret Martindale's in it and June Squibb's in it and a bunch of other people. And it's about – it. there's this small town in uh, – what is it? Maine. And these two girls who their mother ran a fish store there. She has just died and left them with – Seemingly nothing. They can't afford the house and the business is not doing well. And one of them gets into some trouble, and now the two of them have to hide a body. And that kind of leads them into learning more and more about what really kind of goes on in this town and makes it function. And the kind of compromises that the women in the town have had to make with their own morals in certain se- senses to kind of get by and keep the town going, in which the men in the town are more or less oblivious to uh, and I thought it was really good it moves along at a real quick clip and is both super tense and I found it very affecting at the end but also has some funny moments and so yeah. blow the Mandone, I recommend it and there's a there's a Greek chorus of fishermen in it yes singing singing kind of sea songs uh, yeah this is a movie where it's not uh, I wouldn't call it magical realist at all but it kind of gets into a slightly stylized sense of reality that I was looking for more of in Wild Mountain Time.
1: This is, a, this is a rare episode in which I have actually watched both movies that you guys recommended. Oh. This is amazing. Yeah. Okay, well,
0: that's it. We're done. Go home. We did it. As Tracy Allman <laughs> would say. And um, she'd say it
2: like this, go home, go home, and she'd be wearing a robe.
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh, so thank you to uh, Jordan Cowling, our producer. Thank you to maximumfun.org, our network. Go over to maximumfun.org to check out what else they have. They got a lot of podcasts over there. Uh, I listen to quite a bit of them personally. I enjoy them. Uh, you might as well rate, review, subscribe, whatever that thing is that people do to make people listen to this thing. Uh, you guys got anything to say?
1: Why don't you check out our? Uh, why don't you check out our upcoming live show? It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to doing it. I like making you guys laugh and doing silly presentations and talking about Elliot's favorite movie, Teen Wolf.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, it certainly was one of the ones in high circulation at my house growing up because it was one of my sister's favorite movies. That's Saturday, February 6th at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific, Teen Wolf. There'll be more monster talk. I'm going to be doing a monster-based presentation. So if you want to hear more about monsters, check it out, www.theflophouse.simpleticks.com. And until then, hey, everybody, let's try to be good to each other. Dan? For The Flophouse, I've been Dan McCoy. I'm Stuart Wellington. And I'm Elliot Kalin, www.theflophouse.simpletix.com. That's right, I legally changed my name to have the URL of the site that sells the tickets in it. See you next time. Bye!
0: <laughs> See your f- beautiful faces.
2: Thank you. Um, Flattery will get you sex. Oh, Oh, wow. That was the original version of the joke. MaximumFun.org. Comedy
0: and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.